I don't know if you've noticed, but on a Thursday show, the term self-awareness has come up over and over again by my guests, especially the last two weeks with Shane Purnell and Jane Anderson. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time at all, you know that building your self-awareness is what the discover step in the DICE process is all about. You cannot discover what it is that you want to be known for without becoming more self-aware. This past weekend, I was reviewing traffic on my website, and I noticed that self-awareness is on a lot of people's minds, as my many different posts on assessments have recently spiked. You see, assessments are a great way to raise your level of self-awareness. Because self-awareness is so integral to the DICE process, and in fact, to the success that you will experience throughout your career, I thought I would take some time over the next few BYOB shows to talk about how you can become more self-aware. So, starting today, I'm kicking off what I'll call Discover Month, if you will, here on the BYOB show, and we'll get started by tackling the one thing that the Discover Step is all about, becoming self-aware. Self-awareness is one of those terms that we hear often. It gets batted around a lot, and of course, I'm no exception. But do you really know what it means? As I thought about it, I decided I can't really have a show on self-awareness without first defining what it means. So, like every other time when I seek knowledge, I turned to the curator of the Earth's knowledge to learn more. In other words, I googled it. And according to MarianWebster.com, self-awareness is the knowledge and awareness of your own personality or character. I did find another more specific definition, this one from the PathwayToHappiness.com site, which describes self-awareness as... Having a clear perception of your personality, including your strengths, weaknesses, thoughts, beliefs, motivations, and emotions. Self-awareness allows you to understand other people, how they perceive you, your attitude, and your responses to them in the moment. I like this definition better, but that's not to take anything away from the simplicity of Merriam-Webster's definition. Self-awareness is knowledge of your personality or character, but like PathwayToHappiness.com describes, that knowledge includes your understanding of your strengths weaknesses, your beliefs, and your motivations. Identifying your own preferences and the preferences of others is an important building block in the foundation for your success. This knowledge can help you understand situations as they unfold, improve your communications with others, and influence people and situations to get the results that you desire. Self-awareness is the starting point that leads to every improvement that you will make in your life. And interestingly enough, self-awareness is not new. It goes back as far as Socrates, who is largely given credit for having said, know thyself. What this means is the more you pay attention to your emotions and how you work, the better you'll understand why you do the things that you do. The more you know your own habits, the easier it is to improve them. And it doesn't matter how many productivity tips you read or how many of the routines of the gurus that you adopt. You can even devour every piece of self-help material that comes across your computer screen or, in the case of this podcast, your earbuds, but it's all completely pointless if you don't know yourself well enough to put the correct advice into practice. And notice that I said correct advice there, because not every piece of advice that you will encounter or that is out there is correct for you, but you won't know that if you don't know yourself. This is why merely copying what others are doing doesn't work. You need the ability and the knowledge to take the advice of others and to put it in your context so that it works for you. 
Knowing yourself is difficult, as Shane Purnell pointed out during our discussion, and it takes hard work. It is a journey. All of us have preferences or natural tendencies. How these tendencies are developing each one of us is a complex combination of things that's well beyond the scope of this podcast. Because whether you're born with your natural tendencies or you learn them along the way, it's interesting to think about how much our preferences guide our behaviors. Chances are that these behaviors seem so natural to us that we don't even really notice them. But you do resort to them when you're under stress or when you stop to consider and identify the way that you do things. And the way that you do things are your natural tendencies or your personal preferences. And being aware of your personal preferences is an important step. You see, self-awareness is really just the beginning of a lifetime of growth and learning for you. And once you understand what you prefer, what is comfortable for you, it becomes so much easier to branch out of your comfort zone to learn new behaviors. It's easier because you understand your home base, if you will. Remember, our unconscious mind wants to keep us safe at all times. And one way to be comfortable with uncomfortability is knowing that you can always return to your safe zone if need be. Knowing your natural preferences gives you the confidence to step outside of your comfort zone. And it's in these moments when you choose to be a little bit uncomfortable that you have the most potential to learn and to grow. Now that we've covered the definition of self-awareness and kind of laid some groundwork surrounding the reasons why you need to gain some knowledge about yourself, as I can imagine Natasha Davis would say, this leaves us with the question, how do you become more self-aware? Now, while I can't offer you a special formula, I can offer you four methods that you can use to help yourself start the process of becoming more self-aware. And those four methods are introspection, observation, feedback, and assessment tools. Now, before we go any further, I need to caveat the rest of this podcast with the following disclaimer. There is no silver bullet. There is no magic wand. There is no curse or blessing that I can bestow upon you to make you suddenly self-aware. What I can offer you is the following methodologies that you must implement and that you must decide which method works best for you. Notice I didn't say we. Self-awareness is a solo game. It's you against yourself. As a personal branding coach, I can guide you through the process that I outline in the Personal Branding Blueprint, which you can learn more about at thepersonalbrandingblueprint.com, but I can't do the hard work necessary for you to become self-aware. There's a reason it's not called we awareness. Introspection. Introspection is one of the hardest of the four methods, but I think it's also one of the most important. And in case you're wondering, introspection is the examination or observation of one's own mental and emotional processes. Introspection requires you to pay attention and take note of your own experiences, the actions that you take and how you react in different situations. These observations are invaluable sources of information about who you are and what makes you tick. How you come by this knowledge means paying attention to how you feel inside while you participate in a variety of activities. Recognizing these feelings and acknowledging them can give you some insight into your own natural preferences. Do you see why it's not called we awareness? No one can feel these things except for you. A coach can help coax them out of you, but again, you have to acknowledge them. To help, here are some questions that you can ask yourself as you go about the rest of your week. Do you feel happier when you're working in a group or alone? 
Do you feel satisfaction when you accomplish a difficult task? Is it easy or difficult for you to tell others what to do? When you start to feel bored or tired, what is going on or happening around you? Or the opposite, what is happening when you start to feel alive or interested? Introspection requires you to learn to look at yourself objectively, which is very difficult to do, but it's always worth the effort. It's important to remember, too, that self-awareness requires introspection, but it's not navel-gazing. Self-absorption and overthinking doesn't get you anywhere. However, being aware of your needs and acting upon them can help you improve. Introspection alone might not be enough for you to take note of your own natural preferences, which is why we may also need to tap into the power of observation. Strongly correlated with introspection, observation requires you to not only answer the questions that I noted just a few minutes ago, but to also actively pay attention when certain situations present themselves. You need to observe things such as the environment in which you demonstrate certain behaviors. Identify factors like who's involved and what is happening. For any of your observations to offer objective information, however, they need to be specific and vivid in your mind. Thinking about the previous introspective questions, did you observe a change in your body language, for example, or increased energy or animation or maybe even a decreased energy? To put this into perspective and offer an example, soon after I started my journey into self-awareness, I started to notice in my meetings when people were describing complex processes that I would start shaking my leg. And in addition, I would feel this energy start to begin to build inside of me. And that energy was telling me, stand up and start facilitating this meeting. Go to the whiteboard and map out the process. The funny thing is, is this had always happened previously. I had just never consciously noticed it before. And then I promise you, once you observe these types of behaviors in yourself, you can't unobserve them. They are telling you to act in one way or another, to step up or to step out. Whichever message is being sent to you, it's okay. It's being driven by your natural tendencies. Maybe they're telling you to hand over control because something is a little bit out of your wheelhouse. Or maybe it's telling you to jump up and start using your strengths. Once you know your natural tendencies, you'll start to observe how they are displayed in real life. Now, one method that may help you with your observations is to keep a journal. Write down the events that took place during the day and how those events made you feel. Keeping a journal will also make you more aware of what you're doing and where problems might be coming from because you can document anything. For example, if you decide to document things like your food intake or water intake or your sleep, you might start to notice a larger trend that you can correct for. If you're looking to understand how you make decisions, writing down what you believe to be the pros and the cons of any decision you have to make can help you recognize the feelings that you associate with making those decisions. You see, observing these things about yourself will ultimately help you become more honest with yourself. Maybe you've always dreamed of being a VP at your company, but do you really have it in you to do that role? Are you up to taking on the hours, the travel, the presentations, the expectations of a role like that? You have to be honest with yourself because do you really want that role or are you more in love with the idea of that role? You have to take the time, you have to audit yourself, who you actually are, because knowing this about yourself may mean that that VP role is not the direction that you should be heading. 
You see, I think sometimes we copy others because we think they live the life or have some job that we want. But what we don't often consider is that we might not actually be wired in the same way to do that job. Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a well-known entrepreneur, tells us self-awareness requires us to consider what we are good at and what we are bad at and then choose which path we want to take. Meaning, again, that what works for him is not going to work for you. Everybody, it seems these days, wants to be an entrepreneur, but maybe not everybody can. Now, it's possible that introspection and observation may only get you so far. So another method that you can use as a part of this self-audit process might be asking others for help. In addition to what you see for yourself, the observations of others can also be very helpful. They will see behaviors in you that you do not see in yourself, especially when you're too involved to pay attention. Sharing observations with others is both a responsibility and a privilege because this kind of information can be given in a helpful or a harmful way since sharing an observation is really an interpretation of someone's reality. This is why I recommend when asking for advice or feedback that you make sure you're speaking with trusted advisors. We all have trusted advisors. These are the people that we go to when we need help or assistance making an important decision. They can include family, coworkers, current or previous bosses. Their title doesn't matter. What's key here is that you trust them, that you take their advice seriously, and you're willing to use their opinions based solely on their observations as a basis for your own decision-making process. We use trusted advisors to help us gain additional insights into us as individuals. Their insights are where our perceptions of ourselves run smack into the perceptions of others. From a career standpoint, the perception others have of us can either serve as a limiting factor or they could be the greatest acceleration tool in our careers. Through your interaction with your trusted advisor, you've been building a perception, a brand. And if you choose the right trusted advisors, they can describe you to a T. They know through observation what you're good at oftentimes better than you know yourself. So we reach out to them and we ask, what do you know me for? What am I good at? To hear someone else answer these questions, especially someone whom you trust, can be very eye-opening, dare I say life-changing. Hearing the observations of your trusted advisors is very empowering. Going back to Gary Vee, he tells us that the thing that could be holding us back is actually that romantic version of who we think we are versus who we actually are. Maybe that VP role really isn't for us. Trusted advisors provide us with healthy doses of reality. And here's the big challenge with asking trusted advisors for their observations, though. Even though you consider them to be trusted advisors, when their opinions and observations start to come back, you might begin to doubt their authenticity. You might even think to yourself, I think they're just telling me what they want to hear. Or maybe you think they just don't want to hurt your feelings. But from personal experience, again, hearing directly from others what they think you are good at and not so good at, it can be awesome and it can be disheartening, but it's so necessary for your personal growth. I think it's important to remember that getting feedback from introspection, observation, and your trusted advisors, they all serve as data points that you must assemble in a manner that makes sense to you. So if you're the type of person who doubts the power of trusted advisors or the whole notion of it makes you uncomfortable, 
well, you might prefer a little bit more scientific approach, which is why the final method of becoming self-aware that I'll offer up today is to use some well-established scientific-based assessments to help you gain additional clarity. It might help you to put structure around your observations, your inner thoughts, and the feedback that you receive from your trusted advisors in order to help make sense out of all this information. In his videos on self-awareness, which I highly recommend you check out on YouTube, Gary Vaynerchuk states that at its finest, self-awareness is accepting your shortcomings and accentuating your strengths. Which naturally begs the questions, how do you know your strengths? That's where assessment tools come in. They are valuable tools that you can use in your quest for self-awareness. Much, much more than a personality test, the right assessment can help you understand why you do the things that you do, why you find certain tasks simple, and even why you seem to ride the struggle bus with other tasks. As I stated at the beginning, we're all wired differently. Assessments can help us understand our unique differences, and once we know what makes us unique, We can use these differences to our advantage in order to excel in our chosen profession or better yet, to choose our next one. There are many different assessments that you can take today. For me and my coaching clients, I recommend taking these three assessments. StrengthsFinder 2.0, Standout, and the Fascination Advantage. Now, why three? Because what you're going to find is that all three of these assessments will reinforce each other's results. One assessment is going to be eye-opening for you. Two assessments might prove enlightening, but three, well, three is a game changer. And if you take all three assessments, you will have the basis to understand where you fit in any organization and how you will add the greatest value. In addition, it's harder for you to deny something that you see on three different assessments. For me, taking all three assessments has helped me understand a great deal about myself, such as where and how I do my best work. I use the information from these assessments to help me analyze potential career opportunities for alignment with my strengths, my skills, and my traits. Or, as Gary Vee says, to accentuate what I'm good at. Think about what that would be like, choosing your next position based on what you know you can excel at, what you know you are good at, versus taking a position that somebody else wants you to do, or worse, taking a position just for money. Your work life can be so much better if you use self-reflection observation, trusted advisors, and assessments to help you understand the value you add and what it is that you want to be known for. So that wraps up the beginning of the Discover Month here on the BYOB show. In the next few shows, I'm going to cover individually and in detail the three assessments that I mentioned today. You'll learn my results and more importantly, how I interpret them and how I use them to ensure that I'm accentuating my strengths. So what do you think? Is self-awareness important? Does it matter at all? Do you think it can really make a difference in your career? If you're willing to let me know your thoughts, I'd love for you to go to ryanroten.com forward slash message and let me know what you're thinking. Also, if you're interested in having a place to document your findings, you can download a PDF file that I put together for you to help. You can find that file at ryanroten.com forward slash self-aware. Coming up this Thursday on the brand new You Show, my guest may be the youngest person to rise to the executive level at Walt Disney, and he's going to share with us all of his career advancement secrets. You'll like this one. I guarantee it. That's a wrap for today. Until next week, I've been Ryan, and I'm out.
This week's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roten. There are many different assessments. Snap. They will see behaviors. Snap. And interestingly enough, snap. You see, assessments are a quick. Oh, jeez.